Hey, welcome to the Transforming Life Church podcast. We hope this encourages you and inspires you in your journey with Christ. So sit back, relax, and check out this week's message. Welcome to Transforming Life Church. I'm so glad that you all are here today. My name is Kyle Jude. I'm the lead pastor here. And we hope you have an amazing, life-changing experience, a life-changing Easter experience today. Uh, here at our church. Hey, I want to celebrate real quick um, just something uh, we like to do here, uh, but uh, over in our kids' church, uh, they're having an amazing experience as well. They have a, an Easter egg hunt um, going on, plus some, some different uh, things in their service, and, and it's just a, it's a really cool thing, and we have a great team that's over there uh, leading our kids. Um, in fact, one of the leaders, Jeremiah, built, or built, he made his own bunny costume, um, so, so I thought that was really cool, uh, out of like, like warmers from Party City, it's awesome. If you get to see him over there, it, it's really, really cool. And then, uh, and then John, he does this really cool foam uh, props and stuff like that, so there's a, a, a legit looking tune that is on stage over there. Uh, in the kids area, it looks amazing. Again, if you have kids, before you go pick them up, just take a peek in and see uh, what's going on. Your kids having a life-changing experience in kids' church as well, and I just I want to celebrate that because we believe in raising up the next generation. Hey, uh, today we're starting a new series, uh, you know, with, with Easter, and we're, we're just kicking it off, and, and it's a series called The Contender, okay? Um, the, the opening line of the LL Cool J song, Mama said, knock you out, right? Y'all remember that song? All right. He says, don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. Okay. Um, there's been some amazing comebacks throughout history, especially sports history. Right? That's when we tend to see them uh, a lot. And, um, and I love movies. We see it a lot in movies. Uh, we can bring this down uh, just a tad. I'm echoing up here a lot. Um, there's a lot of effects. We're trying to be dramatic for you. Right? Um, but uh, yeah, if you're new, I... Morning jokes. It just laughs. It makes me feel better. Okay, um, but uh, but I love I love a great comeback story. Um, Rocky, the Rocky series. Anybody like Rocky? A few of you. My wife actually doesn't like it. She's not like she, It's just kind of whatever. But it's an amazing. It's an, I, when I watch Rocky, I want to get up. I want to run some steps. I want to I want to go tackle some things in my life. I just feel like I can do it. If Rocky can do it, I can. I can do it, and I just feel all good. And I want to go punch something. <laughs> Get excited, right? You ever have kids and they like they watch something? We have to watch what our, our kid, my son, watches because he gets all excited. He's watching Power Rangers, and all of a sudden he wants to judo chop my, my daughter. Um, and, and we have to watch out because they just get all jacked up and pumped up and everything. But but I love a great comeback uh, Cinderella story. It's March Madness right now. Anybody following the Final Four? Um, that that's going on right now. And um, I don't even. I'm not even following it, to be honest with you. I just mentioned that just to mention it. I'm not even following it. The Gators got beat in the like, second round, so I'm good. I don't care about anybody else. Um, and so uh, I don't know how Florida State is so far in there. Uh, if you're a Florida State fan, I'll pray for your forgiveness and salvation. But um, see, I can say that now. In my last church, our pastor was a Florida State fan and an Alabama fan. I had to hear it all the time about how bad the Gators were. So now I'm El Capitano, and I can say whatever I want from this state. We're gonna, you're gonna hear about the anyway, so I love, I love great comeback stories. Uh, let me share just a few uh, with you uh, over the history. Speaking of, of basketball, in 1994, the Kentucky Wildcats, very big basketball school. They're always, uh, this year they didn't have such a great year, um, but they would always uh, have such a great basketball team. Um, but the Wildcats rallied from 31 points down 
with 15 minutes left, and they beat the LSU Tigers, which is okay because I can't stand LSU either. But um, but the Kentucky Wildcats rallied to beat them. Uh, years ago on Monday Night Football, back when uh, Peyton Manning was playing for the uh, Indianapolis Colts, uh, they scored 21 points in the final five minutes of a Monday Night Football game and beat, you ready for it, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Surprise, surprise, right? But they beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They beat them 38-35. to They were trailing 28-7 to going into the fourth quarter. And Peyton Manning did what Peyton Manning always does, and he rallied the team back. Now, some of you are going to get upset about this because I know we got some, some fans uh, of this team in here. But in 2004, in baseball's um, American League Championship game, uh, the series was 3 to nothing. The Yankees were winning three games to nothing. And the Boston Red Sox came back from a 3-0 to deficit to, to beat them and you go on to the World Series. Now, I know there's some Yankee fans. Whoa, there's some Boston fans in here. Or maybe you just really don't like uh, the Yankees. I don't know. But, uh, but some amazing comebacks throughout sports history. Yeah, it's so good. I love a great Cinderella story, a great underdog story. I love to, to hear uh, about those things. Hey, when, when I was a kid, I used to watch wrestling. Okay, Don't judge me. But I used to watch wrestling when I was a kid. Now, I grew up through the 80s and the 90s, so I, Hulk Hogan, right? Hulkamania, brother. Macho Man, Remember that guy, right? Rowdy Roddy Piper, all those old school Hall of Famers now. Um, I used to watch all those guys. And it, and it never fails. It, I mean, because, you know, it's real, right? Uh, but, uh, but, but they would get in a match, and they're just slugging it out in... And, and, and one opponent, let's say it's Hulk Hogan, he gets beat up. Like he's not doing anything. He's all beat up. He's really bald, and he needs to just cut the rest of it off. So his, his hair is all streaming in the back, and he might have a little blood going on. That was back when they would show blood. They don't really do that anymore. But um, they tried to make it realistic, you know. Um, but, but he's all beat up, and he can't hardly stand. He's stumbling everywhere. And finally, the one wrestler does his, his big move, right? Maybe it's a pile driver or something. He does his big move, and, and so he's out. He's done, right? And the, and the referee lifts his, his arm. He's just limp, right? And so the guy goes to pin him, and the, and the ref has to count to three, right? And he's out. He goes, one, two, and then all of a sudden he kicks out. All of a sudden he gets all his strength out. And, and they call it hulking up. That's what Hulk Hogan was famous for. And then all of a sudden he starts shaking that sweet, stringy, sweaty hair around. And, and he's hulking up. And, and, and they hit him again. And he's like, he's shaking up. And they hit him again. And he looks him in the face and he points at him like this. And the crowd's like, yeah. The crowd goes wild. And then, and then all of a sudden he goes to punch him. And, and he blocks him. Hits him back, and they battle back and forth. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he has all this strength, and he bounces off the road, and he clotheslines the guy, and, and then ends up winning the match. Right? You guys, you guys remember that? Am I just the only one? Just weird? Okay, just a few of you. Okay, I don't feel so bad. All right? All of a sudden, there's this amazing comeback that happens out of nowhere. Today... Today, we celebrate the greatest comeback in the history of the entire world. Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Can you praise him today? See, they thought they had Jesus beat. They thought they had him pinned down. They thought they had him backed up against the ropes, backed in a corner. They thought they had him defeated. They arrested him. They, They came up with this bogus, phony charge that they had no evidence about anything about but but they arrest him they have this bogus 
um, unsanctioned trial that they put in the middle of the night. They put him before Pilate. Pilate doesn't have a backbone enough to, uh, to, to stand up to these religious leaders and to stand up to the angry crowd. Because um, that's really what it was all about. He didn't want to have a rebellion on his hands. And, and, and so, so they go through all this. They get it through. They get it approved for him to be uh, beaten, abused, mocked, right? And then killed. And they thought they had him. They thought they had him. They thought they had him on Friday. He was dead. They pierced his side. He wasn't breathing anymore. He said, it is finished. And, and that was it. And they buried him on Saturday, only to not even realize that Sunday's coming, right? And they come in on Sunday morning, the stone has been rolled away. There's nobody in the tomb. Jesus is alive. But don't call it, don't call it a comeback. Don't call it a comeback. Stay with me, right? Don't call it a comeback. Since Jesus died for our sins, listen, we can face tomorrow. Old song. Because he lived. I can face tomorrow, right? We can face tomorrow because he lives. I can face temptation because te- he's not going to take temptation away. He's not going to take your struggle away. We're, we're going to go through some things in our life. But because he lives, I can face that temptation and I can say no. I, I can go through a struggle and have the strength to get through it and come out better on the other side. Are you with me today? Because he lives, I can look forward to a life of purpose. Because he lives, he forgives me of my past. He's with me in my present and he holds the future in his hands. That's why he's the great I am. Because he lives. So even though you might be fighting for your life, or maybe you have fought for your life, or maybe you're going to fight through a struggle at some time, even though you may be going through that, you are a contender for life of purpose and for eternity in heaven. Here's what the word contender means, to compete to win something. To compete to win something. You, you, you are competing for a life of purpose and an eternity in heaven. But, but if you're competing, who are you competing against, right? Who or what are you competing against? Contender also means to struggle in opposition or to contend with an enemy for control. There is an enemy of your soul. He's very real. Enemy of your soul. He doesn't like you. He's jealous of you. He had, he had his time in heaven one day. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about Satan. He had his time in heaven one day. He was an angel. And he got kicked out of heaven because of pride. And he's jealous of you because now you have a way. And he doesn't want you to understand your purpose. He doesn't want you to understand your identity. He wants you out of the game because he is. That's why we have a generation that their identity is under attack. Because the devil knows if we can get a generation understanding their purpose, understanding their identity, understanding who they truly are, and that's only found in Christ. But if they can get it, watch out, he's in big trouble. You are a contender for a life of purpose and for heaven. Now many of us have been backed up on the ropes a time or two in our life. Can anybody say amen about that? We've been backed up at times in our life. We've been pinned up against the ropes in defense mode. Guys, ever watch boxes? We get them up against the ropes. I'm not going to push too hard against this because it'll fall over. But we're backed up against the ropes and we're just taking punches. We're just taking. Maybe we've been shoved in the corner in our life. Maybe it's by struggles. Maybe it's experiences and circumstances and situations beyond our control. 
Maybe it's even just some, some mistakes that, that we've made in our life. Whatever it is, we, we've been backed in the corner. We've been pushed up against the ropes at times in our life. But it's time to get back in the fight. Listen, just because you're pinned up against the ropes doesn't mean you can't fight back. Just because you get knocked down doesn't mean you can't get back up again. I'm thankful for God. I'm thankful that, that, that He's done something in my life. Because you know what? I might get knocked down, but I'm going to get back up again. I'm still standing, baby. You know what? I went through some stuff in my life, but here I am today. I'm still standing. That can be for you as well. Some of you want to throw in the towel. It would just be easier, right? Done. I'm tired of the fight. I'm tired of the struggle. I'm just, just going to throw it in. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Life is worth the living because he lives. And some of you have been knocked down. It's time to get back up. If I can just help you out today. If I, if I can just put some courage in you today to let you understand. You don't have to fight this thing on your own. You got some people around you that can that come alongside of you and walk you through that. And because Jesus rose again. You can rise again in the fight for your life. But I want to put some courage in you to get back up, to get out of that corner, get off the ropes, get back in the fight for your life. Who's with me? Who's ready to rumble? You guys ready? Luke chapter 18. Open it up just a, a real quick passage. Multiple times Jesus tried to prepare his followers for what was going to happen. For whatever reason, they just could I don't, I don't know. Maybe it just had to happen to make it real surreal and, 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 and real for them. But, but many times Jesus said, hey, this is going to happen. You better be ready. And yet they still weren't ready. But in Luke 18, verses 31 through 34, Jesus predicts his death for a third time. Luke 18, 31. Through 34, Jesus took the twelve aside and told them, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be delivered over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, and spit on him. They will flog him and kill him. And on the third day, he'll rise again. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much for all that you are, all that you've done. Father, I pray that, Lord, that if there's someone here today that doesn't know you, God, that they will, they will take a chance on you. God, that they will, they will come to, to see that you are very real, that your love is very real, Lord, that this isn't something that was just made up to make us feel good or to do good. God, but this, this is historical. You died for our sins. You're no longer in the grave anymore so that we could have life and life to the fullest, a life of purpose, so that we could spend eternity with you. Help us to see that today. Help us experience you in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are a contender. Listen, it's not just that Jesus had to die, okay? Because that was the only way that humanity could be restored. Adam and Eve sinned in the garden way early on, right? Messed everything up for all of us. Adam and Eve, come on. All they had to do was just not eat the one apple, right? That doesn't make sense to me. They had the free reign of the entire garden, and it was just that one apple that messed up. Messed it up. Now we are all sinners. The Bible tells us we've all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God. Jesus was the only way. He was the perfect sacrifice. He bridged the gap between a holy God and sinful man. He was sinless and blameless. 
It's why we celebrate Christmas. Oh, holy night. Right? It's why we celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin, so that we could have a, a, a perfect sacrifice here at Easter. He was sinless. He was blameless. And he paid a debt that we all deserve. He stood in the gap for us. He stood in our place. That should have been us up there on that cross. But he took the weight of sin of all the world upon his shoulders there on the cross. But he also did it for those that were going to be up against the rope sometimes in their life. He, he also did it for those that are going to be thrown into the corner at times in our life. He went through everything that he went through because Jesus faced some struggles. And we're going to look at that here in just a minute. Jesus faced some issues. and some, You think you got a hard life? Let's look at everything that Jesus went through. Because now we not only have a Savior, but we have a Savior who understands your struggles. We, we have a Savior that, that knows what you're going through, that can meet your need, that can, that can satisfy exactly what you need. So, so I want to look at some different moments that Jesus suffered Throughout Holy Week, we just, we just went through Holy Week, right? The scripture I read was right before they went into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, which was last Sunday. Jesus turns over the, the tables in, in, the, in, the, in the temple. Have, have some days of, of ministry in between. The day of rest, Thursday, was the, the, um, the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper. that we, we just took communion today. Friday was Good Friday. Or he was killed Saturday. It was the day of preparation of the body. Sunday he rose again. But throughout that whole process, Jesus suffered through some things. Jesus suffered through some stuff. So, so in boxing, they have different rounds, right? You go through round one, round two, round three. Well, I want to take you through some rounds of suffering that Jesus went through. The first round in Luke 22, we see that Jesus was betrayed by his disciple. Jesus was betrayed by Judas. By one of his very own. By someone who was very close to him. My, my, you could say family because they were that close. And he was betrayed. You got, anybody ever been betrayed before? Anybody ever had your, your back turned on you? Jesus understands. His pain was not just physical. But can you imagine the sorrow that he felt when one of his own trusted friends became the ultimate traitor? The ultimate traitor. For 30 pieces of silver. For about 950 bucks. Judas betrayed Jesus. Now before you go all getting upset with Judas and, and getting disgusted with Judas, and Judas that idiot, what an idiot, right? You know, what a loser. What a punk. Right? Before you get too upset and disgusted with Judas, there's a little bit of Judas in all of us. There's been times when we've turned our back on Jesus. There's been times we know everything we know about Jesus and everything that he did. And we'll shout hallelujah and we'll praise God. But there's been moments in our life where we've turned our back on him. There's been moments in our life where we've given to our own selfishness and our own, own desires. And we turn our back on him. But he forgives. He forgives us of our denials. He still loves us even through he went to the cross and he gave his life for us, even while we were sinners. Even when he knew that there were going to be people that were going to reject him. That not everybody would believe. That there were going to be people throughout history that were going to reject him. But he still loves them. He still forgives them. 
Number, number two, the, the second round, he, he was abandoned by his own followers. Not, not just Judas, but, but everybody ghosted, right? They, they bounced out. When, when Jesus got arrested, boom, everybody scattered. They didn't want to get in trouble, right? Anybody ever have that one friend? Like maybe it was in high school and you guys were hanging out and doing stuff you shouldn't have been doing. And, and all of a sudden it's like, five oh, cops coming. And, and boom, they're gone and they just leave. I don't know. I never had that happen to me, but I don't know. I don't know if that's ever happened in your life. We often focus on Peter, right? Jesus told Peter, listen, rooster's going to crow three times. You're going to deny me three times. You're going to deny that you ever knew me. And we see that he did. But it wasn't just Peter. They all scattered. They, they all abandoned Jesus. The scripture reminds us that they all fled and left him after his arrest. Mark chapter 14, verse 50. Jesus suffered alone. All the men that he had taught, all the men that he invested in, all the men that he poured into for three and a half years, they left him in his hour of need. I don't, I don't know if you've ever been abandoned. I don't know if you've ever been given up on. But Jesus understands. Jesus paid it all. We sang it this morning. And he accomplished his work of redemption without anyone's help. Without anyone's help. But he forgives us. He forgives us even in that. Round three, he carried the weight of sin upon his shoulder. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And he carried the weight of sin, not just any sin, but the sin of the entire world upon his shoulder. Jesus' greatest agony didn't start on the cross. It started in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was praying. If you remember that, that, that part of, of the scripture, he was praying in the garden right before he got arrested. And he was praying so intensely because the weight of everything was upon him. And he prayed so intensely that he sweat drops of blood. Scholars have called that a condition, a hematidrosis. I don't even know if I said that right. But that's okay, I'm not a doctor, so I don't need to. But blood, it made it through his sweat glands because the stress, not, not just knowing what he was about to go through, but feeling the weight of everyone's sin was upon him. Your sin was transferred to Jesus' account. And he took your punishment. He took my punishment for us. A punishment that we deserve. He took it. He could have got out of it. He, 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 there could have been, he could have come up with some other way, but, but this, was the, this was the only way. He went through it for you and for me. Round four, he was falsely accused and rejected by the Jewish leaders. Can, can you imagine the heartache that Jesus went through? The very people that he was sent to save, they spat on his face. They blindfolded him. They cursed him. They accused him of blasphemy. The very same men that by the age of 15 would have had to memorize the entire Old Testament. Not just the books, but everything in those books. The entire Old Testament, all the prophecies, over 300 prophecies about the coming Messiah. And the Messiah was right in front of them and they didn't, they didn't even know it. They didn't even recognize it. They didn't want to recognize it. And they had an innocent man accused and arrested. They... they, they Came up with this crazy kangaroo court and sentenced him to death. But Jesus doesn't open his mouth not one single time to defend himself. If someone accuses you, you're going to say, hold up now. Let me, you're going to hear my side of the story, right? You, you know, all my Latinos, where are you at? Okay? You're going to say, no. Nah, you, know, you know what I mean? 
You're going you're gonna to defend yourself. If someone comes at you, you're going to defend yourself. Now, I don't condone violence, but if someone's coming at me, I don't know. I'm going to have to show them some hands, man. I don't know. I'm not going to get beat up. You know what I'm saying? I'm just being honest. I might trip them or something. I don't know. But Jesus doesn't defend himself. He took it. He knew he was blameless. He knew he didn't do anything wrong, but, but it's what he had to go through. It's what he had to endure. And he had you, every person in here, he had you in mind. Your face, your life, your name, he had in mind and still endured it, even being falsely accused. And now when the devil comes at you, when the devil tries to throw, the, the devil's a trash talker if you didn't know this, right? You guys know anything about trash talk? You ever try? Like, Muhammad Ali was one of the greatest trash talkers of all time, right? As far as boxing goes. Like, he was a bad man, okay? And he could back it up too, and he did. My son, five years old, he knows how to talk trash already. Right? You know the game Uno, card game, right? We'll be playing Uno. He's like, boom, draw two, dad, in your face. You know, skip you, you know? I don't know where he learned it from. It wasn't me. It must have been my wife. They don't talk trash. I don't know whether to be proud. I'm like, yeah, get him, boy. Or, or be like, hey, hold up. Don't talk trash to me. I don't know. But the devil will get up in your ear and be like, listen, you're, you're a loser. You're nothing. You've messed up too many times. You're never going to do anything. You're gonna... Anybody ever been there before? You know what I'm saying? He's going to talk trash. He's going to get in your ear. and He's going to falsely accuse you. But Jesus argues you're the case. He argues your case. And he declares you not guilty. Not guilty. Even though we are. Even though we have messed up. Even though we, we are sinners. But we are made righteous through Jesus. And what he did on the cross for us. Amen. Round five, he was mocked and abused by the Roman guards after Pilate caved in to the pressure from, from the Jews and, and from the angry crowd. The Roman soldiers flogged Jesus with a whip, cat of nine tails, leather straps with bone and chips and all kind of rocks and stuff in it. And, and, they, and they beat our Savior. They, they put a crown of thorns on his head that dug deep into his skull. They beat him with sticks. They, they mocked him and pretended to worship him. The flogging alone would have uh, just ripped pieces of flesh and, and drained much of Jesus' blood. Yet still, somehow he mustered up the strength to carry the cross through the city to the hill of Calvary. Jesus could have stopped it all. He could have called down angels to stop it. They even taunted him to say to, to do that. But he chose to endure the pain of it all for us. Round six, he was crucified between... Two thieves. He, he, he paid a criminal's punishment. He, he faced a criminal's death. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. Can't even fathom the, the pain of that type of torture is what it really was. He drove nails into his wrists and to his ankles on a cross. Because of the way that does with your body... He literally died of asphyxiation and yet he lifted himself up to breathe. And every time he lifted, he was already beat up, 
already tore up. Every time he lifted himself up, his back's rubbing up against his bear. bear well, can, can you imagine that for a minute? We, we, we like to talk about Jesus' death as a poetic thing because everything that it's done for us, and it's a great. You know, I'm so thankful that he did this, but it was, it was, not, it was not poetic. It was, not, it was, it was horrible. It was the habit of the Romans to crucify animals or to crucify criminals naked. And Jesus endured shame. He hung on that cross as a criminal next to two convicted criminals when he was completely innocent. We should have been on death row, not Jesus. But he took our place. Round seven, his body was pierced with a spear. Uh, it was common for them to, to take a spear and to jab through his side and up to uh, his chest cavity to make sure that he was dead. And, and what it did is uh, it, it really um, it, it fulfills prophecy that, that blood and water would flow. Uh, and we read this account in John 19. But, um, but it really, that, what that did is it pierced the, the pericardium, which is the sac around the heart. And Jesus' heart literally broken for us. Not just, not just emotionally, not just, but literally his heart was broken for us. Think about this. Just as Adam's side was opened to produce the rib to create woman, Jesus' side was opened to bring forth the church, his bride. His piercing produced the foundation for our life. Last round, round eight, he tested, tasted, excuse me, tasted death for all. This is the most horrible reality of the cross. Christ didn't die metaphorically or symbolically. He literally died. The Son of God had never sinned, was the least deserving of death, died so that we could have life. His heart stopped beating. He stopped breathing. His spirit left him. It was game over. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also died for sins once and for all, the just and the unjust, so that... He might bring us to God. Because Jesus died in our place. We no longer have to die. Eternal life is a free gift to us. It's a life of freedom. It's a life of hope. It's a life of joy. It's a life of peace. And it's a life of strength. And I don't know if there's anybody here today. Maybe you're in need of some joy today. Jesus can give it to you. I don't know if you're in need of some peace in your life today. Maybe things are chaotic and crazy all around you. Jesus can give you peace in the midst of this storm. We're talking about the, the one that calmed the seas. And, and, and he can do the same thing in your life. I don't know if you're in need of some strength in your life today. Maybe you're going through some things or you've been through some things. And you're in need of strength today. Jesus died so that you could have those things in your life. However, a life with Christ is not a life without struggle. It's not a life. Those things are going to happen. I would be lying to you if I really pumped you up and said, oh, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be perfect. You're still going to face some things in your life. That, that's going to happen. But what Jesus does is he gives us the things that we need to endure those things so that we grow from it, so that he can use us in and through those situations. Jesus gives you strength. He gives you strength to get into the ring of life 
and start slugging this thing out. He gives you strength to back up off those ropes and start fighting. He gives you the strength to back out of that corner and start swinging away. He gives you the strength to get up off the mat and get in and start slugging away at life and slugging away at temptation and slugging away at those struggles and slugging away at all the things that may be coming against you. He gives you the power to slug it out with every obstacle, with every hurt, with every storm that comes. Jesus gives you strength to overcome and come out better on the end. But what we have to do is we have to let the struggle strengthen us, not define us. We have to let the struggle strengthen. We're, we're going to go through struggles and Jesus is going to give the strength to get through them, but we can't let it define us. When you let the struggle define you, you get knocked out. When you let it define you, you get knocked out. Listen, you are not... The sum of your past mistakes and experiences. You are not defined by wins or losses or any statistics. Listen, I I should have been a statistic. I came from a broken home. And if you read the statistics about people that come out of broken homes. I I came from a broken home. I didn't really have a a dad in in my life for a certain uh, period of time in my teenage years. I should have been a statistic. But but I determined a long time ago and I accepted who Christ was and and who he was wanting me to be. And I determined I'm not going to let this thing beat me. I'm not going to be a statistic. See, Christ gives you the strength and the confidence to be able to do that. But you're not the sum of of all those things. We are not what we do. Our identity is found in Christ. Who we are is found in Christ. Who we truly are is found in Christ. And the problem with so many people is they haven't had that revelation yet. They haven't had the revelation of who they are in Christ yet. You need a revelation of who you are in Jesus. Maybe some of you forgot, or maybe some of you don't know, but you need a revelation of who Jesus is in your life, who he wants you to be, who he created you to be. You need the revelation. With Christ, we put the old behind us. We, we put the old ways behind us. We actually partner in his death and his resurrection. When we come to know Christ, when we, when we accept him into our life and we say, all right, I'm going to do this Jesus thing. I'm going to do this church thing. I'm going to start following you, Lord. And I'm going to start trying to become like you. We actually partner in his death and in his resurrection because we put the old behind us and we rise a new creation. Does that make sense to anyone today? We put the old self to death. We put the old ways. We put our old actions. We put our old mentalities. We put that all behind us. Even the way that we handle certain situations becomes new and fresh. You used to get so upset and angry at things that really didn't matter. But for some reason now, all of a sudden, after Christ, you got a peace about things. And you don't let those things get to you anymore. All of a sudden, you're not screaming and yelling at your kids all the time like you used to. But now you're calm and, and you can make it through. All of a sudden, you're not flipping someone off in traffic. Because now you've got something going on on the inside. Y'all hear me this morning. Now all of a sudden you're not arguing over the silly parking spot because you had your blinker on. And that person didn't have their blinker on. Some of y'all, yeah, some of y'all watch too much Medea, okay? That's a made up story. That's a made up person. It's not even a real woman, okay? Stop trying to be like Medea. The revelation of Jesus, the revelation of of who you are in him changes everything. The old is gone. The new comes. The new self self feels new to us, but it's really not new. It's new to us. It feels new to us. It looks new to us. But it's, it's really not new. What am I saying? Here we go. There's always been a plan.
for your life. There has always been purpose for your life. There has always been the real you. It's just a matter of coming to that realization. It's a matter of getting that revelation of who you are in Christ. You've always had a plan. You've always had a purpose. You've always had an identity. It's just a matter of that being revealed to you. So don't call it a comeback when you come to know Christ and everything has changed and everything is. Don't call that a comeback. It just hasn't been revealed to you just yet. We need a revelation of who Jesus is to see who we truly are. We will never find a truer version of ourselves until we found that in Christ. Many don't see it though. Many don't see it. They're blinded. They're, they're, they're blinded by so many things in their life. They don't see the revelation. They don't see Jesus. They're blinded by things. They're blinded by themselves. They're blinded by their struggles. They're blinded by their sin. They're blinded by distraction because they're putting everything else in focus other than Jesus. Band, you guys can come on up and get in place. But the revelation comes. Everything changes. Everything is different. Everything is new. Everything is fresh. All of a sudden, we know Jesus now. And we, we feel like, alright, I'm, I'm, I'm getting back up. I'm getting back in this fight. I'm going to swing away. It's not over. I'm still standing. I'm not going down for the count. Anybody with me today? All of a sudden now, we muster up some strength to carry on. All of a sudden now, through Christ, we can carry on. We can move on. We can, we can face tomorrow. You with me today? All of a sudden now we can take a licking and keep on ticking. All of a sudden we can start to fight back. All of a sudden we can bounce off the ropes. We can get out of the corner. We can get up off the mat and get back in the fight. All of a sudden now, instead of allowing things to affect us and to get us off focus and to get us down, we can start praying through some things and taking the authority that is found in Christ. All of a sudden now, when we're facing temptations, we don't have to feel guilt, but we can feel confident that we can say, you know what, not today, devil. It comes to the revelation. Now when we feel the attack of the enemy, we don't have to have fear. We don't have to have doubt. We don't have to worry. We don't have to be scared. But we can rise up full of the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can fight back. The same power that conquered the grave lives inside of each and every one of you. And you can fight every attack that the devil tries to throw your way. Let the struggle strengthen you. Not take you out. Listen, before the revelation, before you knew Christ, and some of you can understand this today, but before you knew Christ, you thought your marriage was over. You thought it was done. I've heard some stories of some people in this very room. You thought your marriage was over. It was done. We don't like each other anymore. We don't love each other anymore. It's over. Before you knew Christ, it was over. But the revelation says... It's not over. You can get back in that. You can, you can come to, to, to love your spouse. You can come to, to get through anything that comes your way. You can pray through, through those things. The revelation says that, that it is not over. Before, before the revelation, it used to be that, man, you gave in to temptation. You just couldn't fight it. You tried to fight it. You tried to fight it on your own. Any little temptation that, that came your way. And, and you just felt like you, you had to give in to those things. But the revelation says, man, you are more than a conqueror. That you can fight those temptations. That you can have the power to say no and to push through. 
Before the revelation, you used to feel like a nobody. You feel like you used to not have a plan. You didn't feel like you had a purpose. You felt like you were going nowhere fast. You felt like a nobody. You felt like a loser. Before the revelation, you felt that way. But when Jesus comes into your life, you realize the revelation is that you've always been somebody. You've always had a plan. You've always had a purpose. There was always something for you. The revelation changes everything. Before the revelation, you may have been addicted. Addicted to substances, addicted to all kinds of of things in your life. And you felt like you were stuck in that addiction. You felt like that nothing would work. Nothing would bring you freedom. Nothing would would get you through. So what you do, you kept getting more uh, addicted. But, But the revelation of Jesus Christ says that you have freedom, that you have forgiveness of your sins, that you you are no longer uh, condemned. There's no condemnation through those who who are in Christ Jesus. And the revelation says that you are set free, that you have freedom. But before the revelation, before the revelation, you were lost. Going nowhere. You were lost. Had no plan. lost, headed, headed down a road that many of us don't want to go down, but we, we found ourselves in that place, and we, we were lost with the revelation of Jesus Christ. The amazing grace says that we were lost, but now we're found. Before, before the revelation, you were down and out. you down. Quit letting the enemy back you in a corner. Despite the way that you see yourself, despite the way that you feel, despite what you've experienced. Listen, you don't have to be oppressed. You don't have to be depressed. You don't have to be suppressed. You don't have to be chained up, bound up, broken or hurting. Despite what the world says, despite what the doctors say, despite what the therapist says, despite what everybody else says, despite what the enemy whispers in your ear, you are a contender. contender the revelation of Jesus Christ is that he is the son of God who died for you and is the risen king and he wants to be your savior and when you accept that when you believe in that for you and for your life then the revelation says that you are a contender for a purposeful life and for eternity in heaven quit letting the enemy get you down get in the fight for the crown of life when God sees you he doesn't see you as broken he doesn't see you as a loser He doesn't see you as stuck. He doesn't see you as broken. He doesn't see you as you're never going to make it. 
He doesn't see you as all those things that somebody may have spoken over your life today. God sees a son. God sees a daughter. God sees a, a conqueror. God sees a victor. God sees a champion. But you've got to come to that revelation. You've got to come to know that in your life and accept that. Would you stand up with us today? All that has always been inside of you. All those things. So don't call it a comeback today. Don't call it a comeback. They thought they had Jesus beat. They thought they had him backed up against the ropes when they arrested him. They thought they had him backed in the corner when, when they beat him. They thought they had him beat when he died on the cross. tuning in this week. If you'd like more info about our church, if you'd like to make a donation to our ministry here at Transforming Life, go to www.tlchurchpc.com. If you haven't been to our church yet, we would love to meet you. Come by for a life-changing experience. God bless.